0: Hello, hello and welcome to the Women Chiropractors Podcast, The Chiropractic Her Story. My name is Nicole Cowley and today I get to talk to a fellow podcast host, Dr. Ann Barter. I always love talking to podcast hosts because you get into a role and a groove of being the one doing the interview, not being in the hot seat, if you will. So I really enjoyed talking to Dr. Anne. Um, she's a chiropractor in the Denver metro area. She has extensive um, additional training in AK and in functional med. And we dive into a lot of that on this episode, but I also really um, opened her up a lot about her podcast. It's called the Fearless Health Podcast. You can find it in the show notes. You can also go to our website, womenchiropractors.org and find it on our resources page. Um, but really dive into that deeper and how she came about that because she also told me something really interesting that she doesn't do social media, but she has an amazing podcast. So I really wanted to understand that deeper and I hope you enjoy her story and her great information. All right. Hello. Hello. Um, I have to ask first, I always love these podcasts where I get to interview a podcast host. It's kind of like the reversal of roles, Dr. Ann, welcome to the show. Are you excited to be sitting on the other side of things today? Yeah, I'm in the hot seat. Thank you so much for having me, Nicole. I'm super excited to be here. It's just,
1: I, it's just going to be a lot of fun today. I have, I have a feeling.
0: I feel like sometimes too, it's like you, as the host, if you're you're doing an interview type podcast, sometimes too, you can be like, I have so much to say, but it's not about you, you know? So I don't say those things. So this is your chance to say everything you've wanted to say that you have it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm down. I'm ready. I mean, I actually get interviewed a fair amount. And so I think I podcast about three times a week either be interviewing or being interviewed. So it's, it's a fair amount. I'm so so
0: intrigued. Okay, good. Let's dive in because I'm a podcast junkie. We specifically connected obviously as you being a woman chiropractor, but through our podcast and your podcast is kind of what started our conversation. And I think it's a great platform and a great avenue for chiropractors, especially to get your voice out and connect with whole new audiences. So let's get there. But Dr. Ann, we really like to jump back and get to know our guests from the beginning. So if you wouldn't mind share with us, um, you know, just that moment or that memory, that story of when you decided that you wanted to go to chiropractic school. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and it all starts with, I think our own health struggles. Um, but the moment that I realized I want to go to chiropractic school, my my entire dream going through college was that I was going to be the CEO of this company. And so I landed a job at Lockheed Martin. I was doing negotiations. It was quote unquote my group my dream job, you know, and you know, I got hired over, you know, hundreds of other applicants. And I walked in and I I had my sister on my phone. And there were just rows of cubicles. And I remember saying, I think I'm in trouble. <laughs> like, I think I'm going to hate this. And I really, truly did. And I was just so passionate about health, so passionate about chiropractic. I didn't understand why people weren't doing it, why people were living with back pain, etc. And so there was just a defining moment when I worked there that said, you know what, it is time for you to step up and do what you actually want to do and follow your dreams. Because I felt like my soul was being sucked at my body. And instead of hustling small businesses for a living, I really wanted to help people. And I felt like that would make my soul full. And I think that that's been very, very true, but that was my defining moment. And the crazy thing that pushed me there was, um, a friend of mine at work at the time, she was like, I want to go to med school. And I was like, I don't know why you want to go to med school. I, I want to go to chiropractic school. And um, she did all the research because, you know, the requirements are, 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 were the same at the time that I went and um, for the pre And so she did all the research and did all this hard leg work. And she just kind of like, you know, Hey, you need to enroll in this class and you need to enroll in this class. And I was like, great. So I did it and she dropped out. So there you have it. So that's pretty much how it happened. So I went to school for my prereqs at night um after I'd finished college. Because there were a few science classes that I needed because I was not a um I was not a science major at the time. It was a business major, clearly, because I was in negotiations. And um yeah, there there you have it. So it just kind of shifted it and changed the whole course. I felt like it was made for me, it was made for that to happen, but everything just fell into line. And I think that that's a good sign that that's something you need to do.
0: Absolutely. Now, let me ask you, um, so like my aunt was a chiropractor. I grew up with it. It was just normal, Um, you know, as far as something that I did my whole entire life. It wasn't until I got to college where I realized that not everybody goes to the chiropractor. Like it wasn't as regular or just, you know, abnormal of a thing to do as I thought it was. And so, and to the point where many people, many of my friends, and I mean, it wasn't conversations I was having all the time, but just realized, you know, that they, they like were confused on why it would even do that. So I'm curious, chiropractic was something that you experienced in high school, someone in your family, or how did you even come across it to be like, I love this profession, I think this is what I wanna do? This is crazy, that's a really good question. So I didn't know anything about it.
1: I felt like everything for me was straight medical. So let me like just back up a little bit and tell you my story and like how I was so frustrated and how chiropractic really changed my life. But when I was about 14, I remember going to my, my primary care physician and saying, you know, I have acne. I feel like I'm a little heavier than I need to be. That was not true. And, um, I, um, my period pain is really bad. And she ran some blood work and she said the dreaded, you know, you're normal. And I was like, all right, well that kind of stinks, but I have these things. And she's like, here, try some different gel that my neighbor is a pharmaceutical sales rep. If that doesn't work, birth control is your next step. And then Accutane. Well, my mother was not gonna let me do either birth control or Accutane. So I basically went home with some failed treatments. Fast forward a couple years, I remember waking up and at the time I thought my period cramps were so bad, I, I couldn't really stand up that day. And it was, it was probably a notch higher than they normally were, just it was about an eight out of 10 pain, uh, believe it or not, and I, but I couldn't fully stand straight. And I asked my mom if I could stay home from school and she said, you know, something's wrong. Let's, let's go to the, um, let's go to a different doc. And that doc like is rushing me into the emergency, you know, emergency room. And apparently my appendix was exploding. I was getting ready for emergency surgery. I had confused mm-hmm. my appendix exploding with my daily, <laughs> with my monthly menstrual cycle. Mm-hmm. And Um, you know, and so I'm getting organs removed and people are telling me I'm perfectly healthy and fast forward another year, I started breaking out into hives and you know, I'm just going to the emergency room night after night. And for some people that don't know, hives are serious. And in my case, they actually were because they were swelling up on the inside of my throat. So they can restrict and cut off your breathing, which my breathing was getting slower on top of the fact that I looked like a creature from Star Wars. Um, and you know, it was just, it was night after night, you know, they just gave me IV Benadryl, IV Benadryl, IV Benadryl. One night, you know, the doc just thought I was like full of it and, um, was like gave me a really low dose. And, um, I ended up going home. My, my uh, roommate in college had to carry me like out to the car because I couldn't even breathe like very well. I was almost unconscious, and uh, basically saved my life. So that was like what failed. And my sister at the time, like sometime when I was in college, was dating the chiropractor and um, who was who did a lot more on the nutrition side of things as well. Mm-hmm. And um, this guy changed my life. He totally changed my life. Um, he adjusted my feet made me feel new again and you know I I was a competitive dancer and my feet always hurt and um, I was also a competitive runner you know I got a, a college scholarship for that I decided not to take them up on it because I just didn't like running that much but um, I was also <laughs> compa- yeah it was no no thanks <laughs> like I did not uh, that's a whole nother another comment but I no I did not want to do that so Anyway, he adjusted my feet, he made me feel new. I remember the first time I got my upper back adjusted, I started crying, I was just like sobbing, which, I mean, it was so powerful because I had held so many emotions in there. Um, My neck, I was always a little bit, I would say, on the side of being more dyslexic. Um, In fact, when I was a kid, I could read upside down and backwards easier than I could read right side up. That neck adjustment was a game changer. Like suddenly like I became a speed reader and cut my time in half. And I mean, that's not, you know, results may vary, but, uh, but it was, it was completely incredible. My neck was so out and so out of alignment that that was like, was a huge game changer. And I, um, I struggled when I was growing up a little bit with math. You know, I, I still was an A student, but it took me a really long time to do that. And that also, I mean, I was I was making 100, you know, like GPA in statistics. Like, it was just crazy the grades I was making. So, um, you know, high, high A's. So, I mean, I felt like it changed my life just from that perspective. And it was just like after that one adjustment, it was incredible. Incredible. So that's that's how I got introduced to chiropractic, and that's the results I saw.
0: Awesome, awesome! I love how many gifts and talents you have, and how that story all came together. Um, so share with me. You know, obviously went to chiropractic school, became a chiropractor. That part's obvious, but. Through that journey after chiropractic school, what was kind of your first step upon graduation? How did you step into the career? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. Um,
1: initially, when I was, I, I, I graduated from University of Western States, which is in Portland, Oregon. I had um, a situation lined up with a doc that I had preceptored with that was incredible. He was an incredible doc. Um, His name is, uh, Dr. Will Harden. He's up in in the Portland, Oregon area. And, um, he taught me so, so much and, uh, was so passionate about chiropractic. So I was actually planning on working in his office. My personal life took a left turn. So I may have moved out of the area. So, um, and I, I ended up in, in Colorado and I would say first and foremost, um, one of the jobs that I was offered when I was in Portland, and this was certainly not from Dr. Dr. Harden, um, but uh, someone else, I, I got recruited a little bit for for a job, and I just want to tell some of the women out there, um, I got offered $40,000 to work seven days a week to see almost 200 patients. I'll just tell you, it was actually 35000 year. Oh I, I just like want to say, you know, please walk away from those quote unquote opportunities. Um, so that was kind of my first thing. I never thought that I was going to start a practice on my own, but I ventured out to Colorado. Now, where are you from? Where did you grow um, up at? So I, I'm a Colorado native. Okay. Um, I did most of my growing up in Texas, but we always had extended family here. So I was really between Colorado and Texas. Okay. So a little bit of both. So made my way back to Colorado and, um, I ended up starting on a whim, my own practice. Um, and so that's kind of how it started. Um, it was terrifying. I'll tell you, I didn't know what I didn't know. So that was probably a good thing. Um, and I started it in the middle of a recession. Um, so, uh, that started in 2009. So Mm -hmm. 2009 was kind of the time of the recession, And, um, I just kind of pulled myself up by the bootstraps and figured it out. And so that's how I started and, and how I got out there and, and started working. Um, but I would say it was a challenging time. My, my mother had been diagnosed with cancer while I was in school, which was ovarian cancer stage four, which is a pretty good death sentence, to be honest. Um. And so, I mean, I think starting the practice with all that grief and, you know, my personal life taking a left turn, you know, I just focused so hard on work. Um, so that's kind of where I started and, and, you know, it tended, it, it grew. Um, I am a practice that I don't take insurance. Um, I, I, I started taking insurance and some of the things that, Happened to me during the course of insurance were pretty irritating. Um, like Medicare, or I think Medicare, uh, or no Blue Cross Blue Shield basically sent me a, a message saying that they sent me a letter saying they didn't have my address. It was stuff like that all the time. <laughs> I just I was so I was so tired of dealing with that piece. So anyway, I started my practice and I, I built it um, from scratch and now here I am, I guess, you
0: know, 10, 11 years later. And you're still in Colorado. So I'm sure Mm -hmm. the practice has ebbed, flowed, shifted, but successful.
1: Mm -hmm. Yep. We have two offices. We have one in Northern Colorado
0: and, um, which is in Longmont and one in Denver. And that's that's awesome share with me before i talk about that i want to ask you so i think we see this conversation happen a lot in the women chiropractors free group and i think there's a lot of students that either don't want to take insurance coming out or there's recent docs that do take insurance that wish they wouldn't have and want to get out of it and what was that process conversation like marketing changes, anything you can lean into for anyone that's in that boat that wants to make that shift? Mm.
1: So, I mean, when I got out of insurance, it was a different world than it is now. Okay. So, I mean, you know, the time when I got out, um, you know, you would just network, you would meet people, you had to have kind of a different spin. I mean, so if you're going to take insurance, you need to run a higher volume clinic. Um, And it's more about numbers because really, you know, I think insurance is paying now um, for docs, like 30 30 bucks a visit. And I mean, I I spend an hour on the first visit. I'm not really willing to take $30 an hour. I'd rather do something else than do do that. Um, I felt like, so I think some of the things that I would, I did at the time is I networked a lot. Um, I met a lot of people. Um, I, I went above and beyond for my patients. Um, I, I'm i in the nutrition side of things, so I definitely do functional medicine, so that's definitely a little bit of a different experience. Um, I also, people would come to me uh, because I, was, I ended up certified in dry needling pretty early on, um, back in, I think, 2010 or 11 is when I got certified, so getting certified in dry needling, grassed in, you know, I was doing rock tape, taping. Um, so my, in, in kinesiology, I did applied kinesiology for a little bit. So I just had a bunch of different modalities. I would do cranial work that I would do that really set me apart. And so mm-hmm. I tried to just be a different type of chiropractor um, in the community. And so, you know, there was definitely a subset They would go see higher volume clinics or they would want to pay less, you know, because in one of the towns I practice in, we have a joint chiropractic and we also have, you know, chiropractors that will say, okay, for $70, you know, a month, you can get unlimited treatments. Well, for me coming to see me at $75, you know, per like 30 minute session, right? So I had to really stand out. So I really did what I could to differentiate myself. Um, you know, I think some people do really well having a social media presence. I'm, I, I, I've heard from other docs that are pretty established in practice that they do that. Um, I think that that's great. Uh, I'm not super, I don't have the time for social media and I'm not super savvy with it, but I think that that's been a lot that has grown a lot of chiropractors practices. Um, some people just focus on auto insurance cases. and I think that that's maybe also another potentially good avenue or doing like DOT physicals or, um, you know, maybe figuring out like what a niche is that you need in your community. Um, I personally at this point um, I do podcasts um, and, you know, I, I'm a host. I I've been on a lot of podcasts. I, you know, and I think that that's been helpful to kind of, um, get my practice name out there as well. So, I mean, I think it's all about, you know, what you feel comfortable doing, what you feel comfortable talking about, but it's really about
0: getting out there and meeting people. So I love, cause as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, she's not doing social media or doesn't like it or get it or what have you, but she is a podcast host. So <laughs> she's Tech savvy at some level. So I want to dissect this a little bit because, like I said, I'm a podcast junkie. I actually just resurrected my podcast. I did one weekly for almost three years, and I haven't done it for a year. So I've taken a year's break off. Um, but I know so many doctors think of it as this big overwhelming project and thing. And I've simplified it and, you know, created different trainings for it. But to them, like having a Facebook page and making a post would be way easier than having a podcast. So dive in there right now with me. Like how podcasting, why podcasting, any tips, what results have you seen from it? Like really share with us. Yeah, that's a really great
1: question. I think for me, social media, you know, how long the posts are. So I, I think I should give some context. I pretty much am like in my office for 12 hours a day. So I'm working on something. And so for me to sit down and type out, you know, cause I'm managing high level autoimmune cases or what, whatever it may be. So for me to sit down and like talk about another topic is hard, especially since I treat so much. So we will niche down eventually on social media. It's just not quite the biggest priority right now. So why podcasting? I got asked to be on this fella's podcast. Um, He just reached out to me and he's an acupuncturist and I was on his podcast and we just wrapped. Like he's a clinician um, I, I, I'm a clinician and we just had a great time and it was so natural. And I had such a good time being on his podcast.
0: And that's why I love them. Like, I think they're fun. Yeah. Like, am I have fun doing this?
1: <laughs> right. It's, it was fun to me. And then I guess at the time, you know, I was so green that, you know, I asked him questions. Like, I was like, well, what are you doing for this? So it was like two clinicians talking about this case. And it was crazy. Like my phone just started ringing with people that had heard me on this podcast and like really liked, it It was so natural. Like I didn't prepare for it. There was nothing, you know, it was just fun. Right. I just loved it. And so after that, we kind of started reaching out and I ended up on some other people's podcasts and it, it kind of like spun out into some radio appearances and, and this and that. And I'll tell you some of them, um, not all of them are like super fun. I think sometimes, you know, you get that vibe where people are just over the podcast or maybe they've heard what you're saying a million times. And so it's not as natural or the content isn't as new or maybe I'm saying the same thing that I said on three other podcasts cause I'm answering the same questions. But I, I think that for me, I like to educate and I like to educate and sort of like, I want to educate on these topics. And it's fun for me to get out there. And then my patients, this is acted like a, uh, cause you know, we'll send this out and they're like, Oh my God, I love that podcast. And you know what? I remembered like years ago, you mentioned the stool test. And I think like Now it's time for me to do this stool test. So sometimes instead of me saying it in a treatment room over and over again, they hear me say it on a podcast. And I feel like they can hear things on podcasts, and my patients are like, Yeah, you said that to me. And now, like, I feel like now is really the time to do it because I heard you say it again on this podcast. And then I felt like the second time I heard it, I really needed to do it. And I think the other thing that's fun for me as a host is like, yesterday, um, I interviewed a sex expert. Okay. And so I got, I get questions in my treatment room a lot of like, well, I have bloating, low energy, neck pain, and, um, and insomnia. And then the, they'll, they'll kind of be at the end of it. And I'm like, okay, so we're really working on these things. Is there anything else? And, and well, I have, I have dry vagina or I have low libido, or have mm-hmm. impotence, or you know, fill in the whatever the blank is here. And so, you know, I had this sex expert on my podcast the other day, and I'm like, you know, and I had these really pointed questions that I actually could drill down and say, you know, if someone's had a hysterectomy, you know, can they enjoy sex again? You know, like what are the steps that we need to take for this person to be able to 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 do X Y Z? These questions that you know you you have dialed into somebody to ask. And they're really excited about answering some of these questions. So I love to learn and my podcast guests make me a better clinician. So, you know, they'll look through and they'll say, you know, I'm looking at X, Y, Z things. And so for me, it just helps me to become better. And if I can help more people and if, like me doing, you know, interviewing somebody once or twice a week is going to make me a much better clinician. I love that. And I'm, I'm going to miss less things and I'm going to have more success with patients. And I feel like that's what it's all about. So that's why I do it. Um, and that's why it's so important to me. And I think social media is kind of like scrolling. And I think that that does educate. And a lot of my patients get educated off social media, but it's all about, you know, the
0: education. I like having a conversation to educate, I think. I love it. I absolutely love it. So Dr. Anne, how did you go about, you knew you wanted to do a podcast. Like, can you give us a little of the technical, not deep, but just how do you record? Where are you pushing it out? How did you go about even letting your patients or letting people know that you're doing this?
1: Yeah, yep,
0: good questions.
1: I, so I actually joined a podcasting class, um, and I can provide information, but, um, I basically used, um, Jeremy Slate, um, is a a big podcaster. And so he has a program, um, for podcasting. And so just let him know that I sent you, but he's awesome. And, um, he does really good work. So I basically took his class and sort of learned how to be a good, um, so he has one for like being a guest on podcasts. Mm -hmm. And to me, it's just about, um, you know, listening, answering the questions and, you know, being considerate. But he has a podcasting guest course that I think is helpful if you have social anxiety. Um, And then he also had a class that I took that, talk to me through the technical stuff. And so what I use to record, um, I use Zoom still. Uh, I've always used Zoom. I I, do. Yeah, (laughs) I do. Yeah, I'm I'm setting up a bigger, bigger podcasting actually studio that's going to be a little more technical. But I mean, I'm over for my own podcasting, my own channel. um, I'm over 50 episodes. So I wanted to make sure I could get through 30 to make sure that I still really loved it. To be doing it that it would be consistent um and i think on the you know for and since being on podcasts and i want to record some youtube videos so i push it out on all the normal networks like you know itunes channel um spotify etc but we also post it on youtube because the reason i do youtube is uh, when when we're te- when we're talking about um the older generation if someone's, you know, like with my dad, I had to walk my dad through how to download this and he's like, this is not really straightforward or simple. And I found that if you're not like real tech savvy or you're not on your phone a lot, the, the for example, iTunes is a little bit like, I don't know, it's kind of tricky. Like mm-hmm. the search function doesn't work that well. Like you kind of have to know what you're looking for and right. Anyway, it's just not that user-friendly. I think Spotify is a little more, or um, Stitcher, I, I said Spotify, but um, Stitcher is a little more user-friendly. And so, you know, he, he just had trouble. And I explaining this to patients that are in their 50s and 60s, I just finally like popped it on YouTube. And um, people really like to enjoy that. that they subscribe, etc. cetera. So that's how I started my YouTube channel. We started that back only like a month or two ago, um, and that has been fine. And so, you know, people are getting the information there as well. Um, I think some of the technical know-how. Um, I I don't know if that answers everything,
0: or if you it want does. me to get a okay. little more in depth. So- when I follow up with you, um, on your bio, your image, all of that good stuff, I want to grab that link. So we'll share that link to say his name again. The course, Jeremy Slate, Jen, I like, I feel like it's pod.
1: I can, I'll, I'll send you guys the link so you can just get, get there. Yeah, um, definitely. And, and I think
0: he, it's a great podcasting. And so like you shared, I love that you went in and you shared like your why for doing it. And I want to step into that further and just go into then how many positive side effects it has for your business. And then it's subsequent for your patients, right? Like you said, like you're learning. Well, while you're learning, you're also guiding your patients to get results and see even, you know, higher success in their own health, um, more vitality, just better wellness. Like, and you may not have specifically fixed, you know, those issues right in their life, but you were a guide. And so I don't know if you've read building a story brand. I love it. And it's a podcast I actually listen to, but that That's what he talks about is leaning in as the guide, the trusted advisor in someone's life. And so then when you're helping them in those ways, they're just going to say yes, you know, to those other things when you're saying I need your stool. Well, okay. Well, you helped me with my sex drive, so I'm sure you can help me with, you know, this as well. So anyways, marketing wise, and then for your expertise, I think there's a level to podcasting where if you don't do podcasting, it does seem like this well like you have your own radio show you know it just elevates it's a different level um and so i think that builds and brings just a lot of immediate credibility and expertise to you just boom by first of all having that and then when you're consistent with it and you're consistently delivering to it there's that you must care in order to continue to deliver at that level and people start to choose you you know, it's part of the branding, but you know, also because you're giving it such a high value. Mm-hmm. Definitely. I agree. But yeah. We'll definitely share that link. And then also, um, I don't know if you're on Facebook at all, but if oh, you're in yeah. our free group, um, share with us a picture, you know, after you redesign your podcast studios so we can like re-energize oh, yeah. some of those inner chiropractic voices across the world to come out.
1: Yeah, and I think the one thing I would say about podcasting, too, is most of the hosts, you know, being a host, you're a host, I'm a host, most of the ho- hosts want their people to succeed on podcasts, and I think that um, generally, if you're going on to a podcast, you're nervous about what you're going to be asked. I have been grilled and drilled, I, I will say that, by them. By, uh, A handful of uh, podcast hosts, but I've been on probably about 50 podcasts at this point. So I've been on a fair number being interviewed. So I would say a handful of those, I got really grilled. And sometimes people were just really interested and they would ask you an off the wall question that you can't answer. You just say, hey, like, I don't know the answer to that. Or I'm not sure. Or, like, do you know the answer? Because you've asked a question. So you might have some experience with that. But for the most part, everybody wants to see you succeed and they, they, they want you on there for some certain reason. And I, you know, I, I think getting out there and getting your name out there and sharing the story of like chiropractic, it's so important. And you're going to find so many fans and so many people that resonate with your message. Meaning like I have health coaches and I, and like MDs, I've, I've connected more with, MDs, I think, and DOs and cardiologists, um, more so on my podcast than I ever did in the real world. And because you're finding that you're aligned and you find professionals you're aligned with.
0: It kind of gives you like this excuse to reach out like, Hey, let's do a podcast together. You know what I mean? Instead of like, Hey, let's just jump on the phone together. Like, well, for what, what do you want to talk about? (laughs) Totally. Um, Totally. I think that's so, yeah, you said it so well. You gave me this idea when you were talking about being drilled, we should do like a little mini humor. I'm going to put this together, like a WDC podcast roast. How funny would that be? (laughs) (laughs) It'd be so much fun. I'll tell you like the most awkward question. I've got to tell you, this story
1: because this was crazy and we asked this person not to post it but I actually got interviewed by an MD and so we we talked we had a a pre-podcast interview and some people like to do that and some people don't we had this great conversation we're talking about lab work we're trying to talking about how to make it more accessible and like we're talking about all these conditions we are totally aligned and it was so so fun And I like left that like pre-interview conversation going like, this is going to be awesome podcast. Anyway, the podcast (laughs) happens, right? First question out of his mouth is how do you deal with religion and practice? And I was like, (laughs) and I was like, um, what do you mean? And he's like, you know, like, how are you guiding people's spiritual practices in your office? Like, do you have an altar? Do you tell them, you know, how to practice their religious experience? And I, I, yeah. it's, it's really hard to get me speechless, but I was super speechless. And if you know the area that I practice in, it's super diversified. So you're going to have everything from people that have, a, you know, from Mormonism to, Agnostic to fundamental Christian to atheist to like you see everything, it's a total melting pot in my office. And so, I've always been of the mind that this is about the patient's experience and, and what they believe. And I'm fully supportive of what they believe, unless I believe somehow something is harming their health, right? But, but it's not really a, an area where I want to step into. And he went on about this for a solid 10 minutes about how he was doing it and he was working out on his mind. But that was like, (laughs) I mean, I was red, I was sweating. I probably smelled because I was so stressed out because I didn't know. And then it ventured into politics right after that. And those are like two topics I personally really try to stay away from, especially because you're gonna offend a huge subset of people, no matter how you answer that question. So it's just better not to bring it up.
0: Yeah. Like to I like really I used to do well for my my podcast, not WDC when I used to do it. I did it live on Facebook and it was with um guests and co-hosts and other people. And you're right, you can't script nor predict what somebody else is going to say. So there was one specific episode where I remember I was like deer in headlights. Like, can I just end the live? Like, do I just shut it all down? Like, how do I make this stop? Like, how do I, like, how do you end this? Um, so yeah, that is so stop funny. Stop the bleeding. <laughs> or maybe we do a bloopers episode, huh? I'm going to have to put this together.
1: Um, I yeah, love it. I think it. We've I think never it's had great. to do that
0: at WDC. Like our edits are just, you know, purely like the cat came in, the kids came in, a phone rang, like those sorts of things. <laughs> totally. Totally. Oh my goodness. Well, this is a lot of fun. I really enjoyed getting to know you. I think one other thing I want to kind of discuss with you before we open the floor and then close out here at SODA Podcast, you know, I want to lean into kind of the topics. So I think the other thing that's really hard is what do I talk about? And as I told you, I was stalking you, um, you know, before we aired here and I did notice, you know, your expertise in a lot of different things that you mentioned, you know, AK dry needling, um, taping specifically functional medicine. So I want to talk about that a little bit. We get asked a lot about that in the group as well. Like how do you start to learn functional medicine? Where do you turn? So these different things, how did they come about, How did you start to become, you know, trained in them? Then to become specialized, and then, like, I really want to ask you. These are such loaded questions. I'm sorry, I'm a horrible interview today, but, like, how do you manage it all? Like the services within your practice, right? (laughs) Not very well. (laughs) 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 Um, No, that's not
1: true. It's like it's a juggling act. So I'll start with that question first. We have a lot of services that we do we will probably start to divide up our practice a little bit more. But what we do in practice is, you know, our chiropractic treatments, our follow-up treatments, we we do 30 minutes and I will also do like a follow-up after I've put somebody on the protocol. And after I have reviewed their lab work, I'll generally touch base with them in a month and do like a quick 30 minute appointment just mm-hmm. to make sure everything is like on the same, same page. But my appointments, when I am going over labs, when I'm doing first protocols and when I am like going through diet and all of that, they're an hour. And I, I for lab reviews, I have to have an hour. Sometimes I will schedule even longer than that, depending on how many labs I need to go through. Um, you know, if I'm running three sets of like highly, um, you know, the, the, the labs that need a lot to be talked about, um, yeah, I will I will, definitely, um, I will definitely schedule an hour to an hour and a half. Um, so it just it completely depends on what's going on um, in, in the patient's case. Um, so it is a lot to manage. It's a lot of gears to shift. When you're dealing in functional medicine, it's very, very challenging. The reason for that is, is people will see big changes a lot of times early on, or, or you don't hit the nail on the head, or it's super complicated. So with the functional piece, I really tell people that, you know, each thing we do is probably gonna be like a, a 20, you know, a 10 to maybe 30% improve, approval or improvement rate, especially when we find so much on their labs that it's like, oh my gosh, we have like three phases of treatment here, So each thing you're going to notice 10%, 20%, you know, improvement, et cetera, you know, and this, this is going to improve. Um, So it is a lot to manage, especially when you're looking at everything. I think what, what I was told initially when I started practice, when I started all the nutrition, when it was so overwhelming and my first pace, my first case that I can remember in um, like really going into practice was an Addison's case. And that's like complete adrenal failure. Like that's, you have to be on corticosteroids or else the patient dies, um, type of case. Um, so that was, uh, I think that that was like my first introduction into practice. And I'm like, well, I need to figure out how to step up or, you know, kind of step out and decide if this is something that I really want to do. So, you know, you're presented with a challenge and you just need to rise to that challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, with the, um, With all the services, um, you know, since I do longer appointments, um, it tends to help. Um, So that really does help out a lot, doing the longer appointments, and I can manage that. I tell people if they have too much going on, I'm not afraid to tell them to come back. I'm not afraid to tell them that I don't have time to get to that today. Um, So, you know, if you have waited this long to get care, um, I, you know, I... I'm not going to inconvenience other people to run late or to do more. Um, I'm just gonna basically set my boundaries and have people come back um, when when I need to see them. Um, I think it's, so I, that's sort of the upshot. Um, so for functional medicine, how I started out with that, cause I kind of started before functional medicine was really cool, um, <laughs> was I actually had a case that I remember, it was a Hashimoto's case, and that was around the time where um, where people where like there was some controversy about giving iodine to Hashimoto's, and um, and a colleague of mine challenged me and said I shouldn't be giving iodine to this to this case, Okay. and it turns out I was fine to give iodine, but I could not explain to the degree, like all the way through the pathway of why I was doing that for the thyroid. I couldn't explain it. All mm-hmm. right. And that pissed me off. <laughs> and so like, he was like, well, if you can't explain it, like you don't know why you're doing it. And it's, it's you know, anecdotal. And it was, he was right. And so I sat down, Dottie's Carrazi and was teaching courses. And so that's where I started. I started listening to Dottie's and going through and learning. I took, uh, you know, I took his courses, which really helped me. And then since then, you know, I have taken a multitude of other courses. You know, I have taken, um, you know, like um, cardiology specific courses. Um, I, from the Cardiovascular Institute, that was Hosted by Jack Wolfson and is currently going on. I'm a member of that right now, um, and so he goes through cardiology cases. I've also done Functional Medicine University. Um, you know, okay. so it's that's referred to it, a lot in the group. Functional Medicine University. I know. I I like that a lot, and the speakers are very, very, very good. And I think the protocols are pretty straightforward and simple. And then you know there you know it kind of spins from there. But that's how that's how I've started out. So that those have been the big things. Um, I still continue to follow Dottis and all of his teachings. I think Dottis is sort of amazing, Um, and I think he's he's great. But there's you know a multitude of people teaching. I know Mark Hyman now has his own institute. Um, You know uh, the Institute of Functional Medicine you know, so it just, the list goes on and on and on.
0: (laughs) Awesome. If there's, excuse me, I'm losing my voice. Um, when we connect to, you know, if there's any resources that you want to share, we can add those and the show notes as well. Dr. Ann, you know, I could definitely continue talking with you. Um, and I always tell every guest, like we just need to now go back and record everyone again, right? Get a follow Mm -hmm. up, like continue the conversation. But anything else you want to leave our listeners with words of wisdom, piece of advice, what have you?
1: Yeah. The one thing that I think comes over and over again, and I've had, you know, docs and do have docs that work, um, that work with me. And I think the one thing that definitely comes up for new docs is money issues. And, um, you know, you, your job is to tell the patient what they need. Your job is not to manage their finances. So if you think somebody needs X, Y, and Z, you tell them and you tell them, Hey, like I need to see you for treatment this much. This is going to be much better in the short term. If I can get this knocked out now, it's going to save you money in the long term. Like, here's what I see for a treatment plan. Definitely lay it out for them. but also you know, and give them a timeline for that. But if you, you know, lay out what you need from a patient, don't let your fear or your issues around finances dictate what you're doing with these patients. These patients are coming to you because they need help. You can always have an open conversation with them. Make sure that they can tell you, hey, like, let me know if I'm doing anything that doesn't seem right. They will tell you if they feel like it's too expensive, if they feel like they're not getting help. Then you can revise and say, okay, well, you know what? I think it would be fine if you came in twice this month or if we did this lab test. We'll start with this lab test and then maybe we can do this one. But don't let that, their financial issues dictate your care. That is so important and so critical. And I get asked this over and over again, or, you know, having to step in because patients get frustrated. And, you know, when I've had docs leave and I've taken over the case, like they're frustrated that they don't have all the answers. Your job is to get these people. Well, that's my I think words that's great advice.
0: <laughs> no, that is great advice. And you know what? I mean, they don't have the money and then they buy a new phone, they buy a new mm-hmm. ATV, they go out to dinner for a hundred dollars. And so it's about priorities. And like you said, you don't know, you don't have the information to be able to prioritize their funds under any mm-hmm. circumstances. So it is, it's just laying that out and letting them make that decision. I've leaned into I, recently, I, like yeah. not tying yourself to the results of that. Like they have to make that decision for them. Um, you can't make it for them, right? Yep. Give them the
1: information and let them make the decision. But if so, sometimes it's never going to be a priority and their health isn't enough of a priority for them. And like, honestly, if like you're running a weight loss program and the only goal that somebody has is to lose weight to look good and and at 2 a.m. their boyfriend's broken up with them and they have a, dun- a bunch of Twinkies and Ho-Hos in the closet. Like what's going to be important, looking good in that swimsuit or like, you know, having that sugar to actually feel better. And like, you're never going to overcome that because their health isn't a big enough priority. There's not there's not the need to get that better. If it's about, you know, walking, it, going to your, you know, fitting into an airplane seat to go to your your son's graduation that you've been like going to and getting healthy to be able to walk, you know, from the airport to get there, that's a different level of importance. And so, you know, it's really about getting those goals out.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Dr. Ann, it was a pleasure talking with you. You shared a world of information. We'll also put your podcast, which is called Fearless Health Podcast. Is that right? That is us. Yeah, Fearless Health. I'm holding a chalkboard. (laughs) In case you didn't know this, on the main page of womenchiropractors.org, we have a free resources section. Go up to our menu. Uh, I think resources, free resources. And then there's podcasts. There's blogs, there's freemiums, there's a slew of online, uh, material that is out there that is led by other WDCs. And so if your podcast isn't on there, we'll also put it there, but it's going to be in the show notes. Um, and y'all can check it out over Thank there you. as well as some other ones. Awesome. Thank you so much for chatting.
1: Thank with you us so today. much. And
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Chiropractic Her Story, brought to you by WomenChiropractors.org. We want to close this out on um, this special day and just give a huge thanks to all of our members, our platinum members, our pro members, all of our sponsors, our corporate po- our corporate partners. Um, within our Women Chiropractic free group, everyone who's participating and sharing um, within that. We're very honored to be on this mission and on this journey and walking hand in hand to ensure that more women chiropractors are successful. We hope you engage with us and reach out to us and if you would like to be interviewed or you know someone that we should be interviewing for this podcast, please do email us wdc at womenchiropractors.org.